Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. But I just have a few things, you know, some scriptures particularly I want to read, and I want to minister to some people um, in about, in one main category, in about five or six subcategories, but I feel like this is really for some people today um, who have been through or maybe walking through you know, a very hard time, a valley, a dark place in your life. And um, so it's going to be pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. Sound good? Um, who's probably, other than Jesus, who's probably the most famous guy in the Bible? Just throw something out. Paul's good, if you're, especially if you're in the, you know, the back part of the Bible. Or in the, David, and we got a David. A lot. Okay, well, I got the answer that I wanted, so we'll go ahead and stop. So, yeah, Abraham's great, though. So important. We could preach on that, couldn't we? So much good stuff in there. David, though. David is very, very central um, to, to a lot of different stories. He's central to, uh, you know, to the story of the, uh, the, the Israelites in the Old Testament. He's certainly central um, in the story of Christ, you know. He is, uh, you know, he's that, that little, uh, you know, shepherd boy who eventually, you know, the line, the root of David, um, that Jesus was going to come through him. He's a, he's Got a whole lot of different stories, different miracles, amazing things. He has a, a, one particular thing, and I, I tell this to the young people. We have some young men here today and some young ladies. Whenever you, whenever you say that uh, you're above temptation, especially uh, the temptation of, of you know, physical, you know, even you know, sexuality and, and doing things that are, that are meant to be done in marriage outside of the constraints of marriage and outside of the constraints of, of God's plan, Whenever you say that I'm above that, or you know, I, I could never do that, I don't need to you know, pray about it, I don't need to set up these good boundaries that the Bible has, my parents have in place, like, ah, ah. whenever you say that I am, that's not really applicable to me, because I know what I'm doing. If you say that, then you're basically telling me that you are smarter than the smartest man who ever lived. Read about Solomon and his downfall. A thousand relationships a lot, you know, that, that he shouldn't have been in, you know, probably 999 that he shouldn't have been in, and he falls apart and, uh, and pays, you know, a terrible price, and a lot of people that he cared about t- pay a terrible price, so you're saying you're the smartest person in the world, smarter than the smartest person up to this point. Uh, number two, you're telling me you're stronger than the strongest person in the world. Now, you read about Samson and Judges, about, you know, how his story went, okay? What did he fall into? He fell into physical lust and sin, and that landed him in a place he shouldn't have been in, you know, at a time he shouldn't have been, and, and, and eventually gets his hair cut, and he winds up, you know, in the, in the temple of a false god, getting stronger than the strongest person in the world. Now we go to David. Um... I'm going to make a statement about David, and you find a statement about somebody else in the Bible and challenge me if, you, like, if it pops in your head, because it'll be fun. Um, I say that David, whenever he was where he needed to be, had the purest heart of anyone ever besides Jesus. Because the Word of God says he was a man after God's own heart. Top that. Fair enough. So you are now the smartest, strongest, most purely intentioned person in the history of the world. And I say to you, it's still not enough. Thank God for boundaries. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for telling us how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in relationships and in our marriage. And we need to stay within the lines of the word of God or else, like in every one of those situations, destruction, pain, suffering ensues. Amen. 
so I like David a lot. David is, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, uh, you know, his, you know, his main moment. He didn't have five minutes of fame. He had a lot of minutes of fame. But like, you know, his, his big coming out party as far as like in front of everybody, you know, on the world stage is definitely in the Valley of Elah whenever he slays the giant, right? But he had a lot of other battles before that kind of prepared him. God doesn't, you know, um, and he, here's a word for you right now. God doesn't automatically just put you uh, on the stage front and center without faithful and the little things, you know, it, because David was just a shepherd boy. You know, and no, who cares about a shepherd boy? Like, that's the lowest of the low, and he's the youngest of the young. Nobody cares about David. And he goes and he fights the battles that's in front of him, and eventually that lands him in the Valley of Elah, you know, in front of a whole bunch of crowds and crowds of people. But you've got to be faithful where you're at. Amen. This is going to be like dragging uh, a train up a hill if you guys don't help me out now. Amen. David does a great job when nobody's looking. And if he hadn't, then I guarantee he would have failed when everybody was looking. That's important to know. So David is, is a wild man. So let's talk about the three things that stick out immediately when he's a young man that he does that are just incredible and it is mind-blowing um, that he could do this. So number one, he starts out, let's start out with a bear. Bears are terrifying. Like even small bears are, are so strong. I mean, they're, they're absolutely terrifying. I saw one that had like this alopecia type thing like in the zoo one time. It had no hair on it. And it gave me nightmares. Like all the hair was gone. It was like this big, angry, fanged, you know, sack of gray flesh. It was so scary. And, and you could just see the muscles rippling in it. You know, it could just rip your arms off. And so, you know, it didn't look like Winnie the Pooh. It looked like a, a, a terrifying monster. So a bear is terrifying. And honestly, if a bear came to my flock, to my sheep, and wanted one lamb, I'd been like, you know what, Dad? And my dad's here. You know what, Dad? Let's all maybe set some traps. Let's all go after it together, you know? And, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make this a team effort. Um, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta pay somebody a lot of money to go fight a bear with a slingshot. And I don't think he was, but he had a responsibility. And even though nobody was looking, and David could have been like, what lamb? You know, disappeared. He knew even though nobody else was looking, God was looking. And he developed his character in that moment. So he did that. Uh, so he, he's really developing his character. Then a lion shows up. Again, I mean, come on. How much do you really expect out of me? Like, this is a minimum wage job. Um, you know, we're, we're out here. Like, what would it take, for, you know? I mean, and I've, I've worked minimum wage jobs, you know, plenty, you know, trying, trying to get ahead, trying to get started. And if, and if I'm working at Taco Bell and somebody come through and hold the place up, I'm going to be here. I'll be like, you know what? Take the 975 that's in the register. You know, take, take you some food with you. Just, you know, get you a Baja Blast on out the way. There's nothing in here, Johnny, for my, you know, 735 an hour that is worth me dying for. David didn't look at things this way. He looked at this is my father's flock. And I will... It's not a matter of what's coming against me. It's a matter of will, will I stand strong? Will I do my job or will I, will I be faithful? Is this who I am or am I a coward that goes and runs? You know, it doesn't matter. And so it's amazing that he did that. And you know, a lion comes and so he kills a lion. And the next one comes, and this is, you know, I'll stay right now for you know, the, the little kids, but I think there's some important things because I'm setting you up here, I'm setting you up. David kills Goliath with a slingshot. Just to remind you what that looked like, how crazy that looked like. Everybody's like, go ahead and put on your armor, get your sword, get your weapons. You know, it's going to be a slaughter, but maybe, you know, Saul's probably in the back of his head, maybe I can make a martyr out of this kid and everyone's going to, like, you know, maybe chase after him and be like, oh, you killed our little guy, big bully. Maybe that's what he's thinking, but David 
goes and he actually has the courage, you know, to, to take a sling and a stone, sling it, hit this guy and take him out in the middle of the valley in front of everybody causing a huge victory to happen. It's amazing. This is, and this builds him up to who we know him to be. So here's my question to you. And I do have some people on my heart, but the congregation as a whole. So let's, let's zero in and I'll ask you this question. This is a giant killer. This is a, uh, this is a bear killer. This is a lion slayer when he was, like, young. And now he's a man. So what makes a lion killer cry? What could do that? You ever thought about that? What do you have to throw at a guy who will stand there in a little, with a sling and a stone and take on a giant in front of the biggest. Throw at this guy that, that's going to surprise him. He, he killed a lion, killed a bear, with his, practically with his bare hands. This guy is so tough. Somebody tell me what you did that was tougher than any one of those things. That was more masculine, that was more manly, that was stronger, that was more, you know, if you're a lady, you know, more independent, more courageous than that. You know, what, what have you done that could ever compare to that? No, I haven't. I haven't done nothing. I think I'm the man when I, you know, hang a piece of drywall or something, you know? This guy's a lion killer. So I ask you, what could make somebody like that get into such a low place that they weep and cry and, I quote, fill their entire pillow with bitter tears? What could do that? Some of you guys are a little hard on yourself because strongest, you know, the most pure and one of the bravest people that ever lived found himself in that kind of position again and again and again. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures. Here's one thing that can make a giant killer cry. A burden. A true Holy Spirit-induced, God-sent burden. 36. Rivers of water, this is the same guy, this is the giant killer. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. See, when a man or woman of God looks around and sees things that displease God, they displease him. Whenever you look at somebody that you know is not right with God, and their time, you don't know how long it is, long or short, you know, but their soul is in jeopardy, whether it's a loved one or someone that you know. That's something that can make a giant killer cry. And I think it should. Church, the things that displease God should displease you. They shouldn't be a joke. The fact that a boy has won the Texas Girls Wrestling Championship because of gender confusion is not funny to me. It's not funny. It's tragic. A lot of people will argue with me on this point, but I'm going to make it, and it's the truth. The transgender community has the absolute highest suicide rate of any group of people in the world. And it breaks my heart 
I hate that. It's so mean to them. So we're actually, our culture, most of the culture is embracing that and, and, and celebrating that and put them on a magazine. So it's not that. You could have made that argument maybe 10 years ago, not anymore, but it hasn't changed. And the reason why the suicide rate is so high is because the enemy and sin and the effects of sin have caused them, these precious people that God created and loves, to commit a type of suicide already. They've already done their very best in their confusion and their fear and their misunderstanding to kill the person that God created. And so then, of course, they're left feeling incomplete unless they find Jesus, unless the, he can, because he can restore that and he can heal and he can love and he can, you know, he can change all those things. All things, behold, all things are made new in Jesus. But the reason why it's so, it's like that. They've already committed suicide in a very real way. And so you see that mirrored. That should give you a burden. That shouldn't just make you upset. It shouldn't just make you, <laughs> I can't believe kids these days. I can't believe where they Have you wept? Have you cried? Have you prayed that God and the precious Holy Spirit would change our nation, would change people's hearts? Because you love them. The effects of our sin. Number two, a trial can cause a giant killer to cry, to weep bitterly. First Samuel and 30. And th see, things are going pretty good for David. Not great, but okay. He was having a decent quarter. Um, and so he goes off and leaves his people behind, his family, his wives, his children, and all the people. He leaves them all behind, and he goes to war. Doesn't actually have to fight the war against, uh, you know, against the Israelites. So that was a big, you know, you know, big load off. So he's coming back to the city where he's at, and all his stuff is at in Ziklag. And this is what happened. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites, a bunch of bad guys, had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive women and those who were there, small to great, and did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. This is so real. Can you imagine? This is the same guy. And David, what frustration. I think that, you know, as a man, that's how I, I can only give you my perspective. Um, but I, I think that even harder than, uh, than, you know, my own personal pain and personal suffering and fears, um, whenever it's affected somebody who I love and somebody who I just, you know, who, who I want to protect. I was supposed to be here. I should have been here. I should have protected them. And, you know, they're probably all dead and sold into captivity. I don't know what kind of horror is being visited on my, my wife and children and all this stuff. I don't know what's going on. All I know that everything that I once held dear is ashes and everything's falling apart I have no control I can't control this and for, for a responsible man or woman who, who has responsibilities and, and feels those and takes them seriously how horrible would that be oh, I should have never left I should have never done that I should have done something different I'm just consumed with regret and God why, why not me I could have taken it but my precious children my, and sometimes we see the world snatch up those people and hold them in bondage that we hold most dear. Tell you what, if nothing else, that can make a giant killer cry. Because it's not your fight and you don't have the ability to win it. Oh, that's hard. I just wish I could just grab some people. Get saved. Don't live this way. Stop throwing your life away. 
These drugs are destroying you. You know, these choices, you know, they're, they're hurting you. They're hurting the people that you love. And you know, you don't even enjoy it. You're like the most miserable person I know. Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you do this to... Oh, that's hard. That's another thing that can make a giant killer cry. A terrible trial like that. Trial one more time. We're talking about a guy who walks into a valley with a giant who's armed and armored and ready to go to war. He is the most dangerous man maybe alive on the planet. And you go down in this little linen, you know, whatever you're wearing, no armor, with a sling and, and five stones and no shield. This guy is nuts. What could shake him? He runs at a guy who's nine feet tall with just a sling and a stone. And he says, the battle is the Lord's. Well, where is the, the battle is Lord's? In Psalm 38, when he says, my back is killing me and I'm burning with infection and disease and physically I'm just hurting so bad. And I get, God, I just can't take it anymore. Because that's what he says in Psalm 38. Where's the, where's the lion killer then? Where's the bear killer then? Tell you what, you think you're tough and then sometimes you walk through a, a place, a valley that is so hard physically. I've seen People go through such pain that it changes who you are. And you're trying to hold on to anything you can hold on to. Even giant killers. And maybe you need to stop being so hard on yourself today. A giant killer did it. Now, David, we know, had a few very meaningful relationships in his life. He had one best friend, his bro, you know, they were, they were good friends. They met, and uh, it, it was such a, a powerful, great paradigm that even though this guy was the next in line for kingship, he knew that David was the right guy and still loved him and supported him and wanted him to, to win and to uh, had no ill will. Best friends. And so in 2 Samuel 3 and 32, the Word of God says, so the, I'm sorry, this is uh, 2 Samuel 1, 17. Then David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. Losing a best friend, that can, losing somebody who means a lot to you. I just, and here's my thing, why are you talking about this? What is the whole point of your message? My message is based on this. I think that the enemy has some of you people fooled into thinking that you're pathetic, that you're weak, that you're, because of who you are, what you've been, or how you've conducted yourself, that you have now been kind of set aside, and you're not who you thought you were. You're not who, you know, the Word of God, you know, you're just, you're not the giant killer you thought you were, but you are, because all of us walk through trials and tribulations and hard things, things that make even the stout just almost fall apart. Number six, the, uh, the last one here. Or, I'm sorry, number five, rather. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a loved one. Second Samuel 3.32. And these are all David, by the way. For a hero, quite the crybaby. So they buried Abner. Abner's a relative in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. 
another instance. And it's okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to weep. Uh, Stop right now. And, And if you don't get one other word from me today or from the Lord today, stop confusing weeping with weakness. Or you really need to explain and exegete to me the shortest passage of Scripture in the whole Bible. Somebody say it out loud. Don't all mumble. Yes, I did. Okay, so don't don't have the, the audacity, the unmitigated gall, Stephen A. Smith would say. Lastly, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You may be here today, and uh, God may be stirring, doing some stuff in your heart. See, when David found himself, uh, you know, in a bad place where he was, you know, committing you know, some sinful things and doing wrong, um, Psalm 29 and 12 said, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. Be silent at my tears. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. The Holy Spirit may be reaching out for you, convicting you, even here today. And that can cause that can cause a giant killer to cry. I'm going to read this uh, passage of scripture, and uh, I've got two more, and then we want to close in prayer. I'm going to open up the altars that we can seek God together. Psalm six. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. See, there's a difference there. Sometimes it's just physical, and sometimes it gets down into the marrow of who we are. For your mercy's sake, for the death there is in death there is no remembrance of you, and in the grave who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim and drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. Literally crying my eyes out over here. It grows old because of all my enemies. Sometimes, you know, even through the archaic uh, language and you know, through the translations that have come down you know, uh, over hundreds you know, and, and thousands of years, sometimes, like in my mind, I almost hear it... Uh, in my vernacular, as David cries out the realness of, of what he is saying here, he said, um, he's, he said, it's getting really old. That's what I hear when he says this next part. He's like, Lord, it's, it's, very, it's, it's old. This, this struggle, this, this trial that I've been walking through for so long, it's, it's, getting, it's getting old, God. I can't take it anymore. I can't do it anymore. That's what he says. It grows old. Because of all my enemies, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Amen. I, and, and if you needed another reason to why um, weeping, why, why it's okay sometimes, even for a giant killer to weep, to cry, uh, you know, to be in that kind of place, well, here's, here's a reason why. Because God hears it and is moved by it. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Now let me tell you, friend, if you know who to cry to, it makes all the difference in the world because God hears the suffering, the supplication, and sees the tears of his people.
no matter what it is that maybe is burdening you here today. Psalm 30 and 5. And we've stayed all in the Psalms today. It's a story of a giant killer who cries a lot because life's hard. Things come into our lives that we have no control, no matter how tough you are, you're smart, no matter what, what degree you have or what kind of job security you think you have or, or even do have, it doesn't matter. There are things, when push comes to shove, in this world that simply weigh more than you do without God. But Psalm 30 and 5 says, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Isn't that unreal? Come on, somebody. The word of God's so good, I'm telling you, it doesn't need me to dress it up and to explain it. And this is what it really means. Sometimes I just need to say the word. Don't worry about what I say. Don't worry about it. And then the moment, his favor is for life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And yes, you know, there's the wrath of God. There's the anger. But God's love, God's mercy, God's grace is all sufficient. It's always there. And it's stronger. On the cross, God's wrath and God's mercy went to war in that moment. And mercy triumphed over judgment. God is out of the balance of my mind and my understanding. He's in, he's in the real balance, but, but he, from where I'm sitting, because I'm seeing all of my mistakes. I'm seeing all of my failures about you know, how this is going wrong, how I didn't deal with this problem, this struggle, and I just wept, and I wasn't strong, and I didn't, I didn't get through it like a champion. I wasn't a giant killer last Tuesday. You know, it might be today, but you know, I, and I look at all my mistakes and all my failures, and from where I'm sitting, surrounded by my failures, and then I try and stack up on this side the little pittance of good that I can do it myself, it really seems like God is out of balance because he should be, hey, listen, he should be a lot more angry with you than he is pleased. But the difference is the lens of heaven looks and sees the blood of Jesus. And so he's a lot more happy with you. He's a lot more merciful towards you. He's a lot more, you know, separates us from God. And, you know, there is righteous anger, and he is a just God. But I'm telling you what, his anger lasts a moment. His goodness, his mercy, his love, his favor is for life. Amen. And the last part of the scripture, man, be hard-pressed to find a better scripture right now. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so I speak to you right now in the name of Jesus, whether you're in the middle of the night or whether you're just there, just, just at that little murky stage right before the dawn, joy will come in the morning. God hears your prayers, sees your supplication, is moved by your tears. Amen. My main thing today, church, though, is that, uh, is that you understand that I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, and the giant killer wasn't perfect. And so I am calling to you right now you don't have to come up here and then raise both hands and you know, jump around and do anything like that anyone else would see, but I want to know in my spirit that you hear this. Get back in the saddle because you are a giant killer. Remember who you were. Remember who you are. 
Remember who God has created you to mistakes. And sometimes whenever somebody sees you, whenever you're just so weak, you feel like you can never be strong in that person's eyes again. Husbands. Husbands, listen up. Sometimes you feel like whenever you've made mistakes and you've taken major setbacks, you feel like you can never be spiritually strong in the leader that you're supposed to be in in your wife's eyes again. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus and I speak new life over your marriage. I speak strength. I speak uh, God's word and God's love and his restoration over your marriage in Jesus' name. And I challenge you, wife, do not be somebody, well, you remember back then, don't be the tether between your husband and failure. Woo! Do not be. Last time. Do that. He knows. He knows he was an idiot. Whether he says it or not. Do not tether. Husband, don't tether your wife to failure. Don't be digging back through the text messages from last January. He said... I'm saying something that that has a little meat on it right now. Um, Do not be the tether, the chain between your loved one or your friend or your family or your husband or your wife or your child. Break the chain. Give forgiveness. Give restoration. Give strength. Give a new opportunity for them to be the giant killer that you both know that they are. Amen. And I tell you, child of God, right now, You're both. You're the crybaby and you're the giant killer. But moving forward, you get to choose. You have the propensity to be either, to continue to just weep and cry and and be weak and, and just be a mess, or you can stand on the word of God. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Let's bow our heads. If you're here today and uh, you just you know, first of all, that you need to be a little better at not tying somebody to their past mistakes, to the mistakes and to the problems and to the, uh, you know, you, you, you might be holding something against somebody from 10 years ago, from 20 years ago, from five days ago, but you have a unique power, you have a unique opportunity to either break the chains and set the captive free and, and declare liberty and forgiveness and restoration over them, or you can keep them in bondage. And number one, that's an awful thing to do. Number two, you'll pay for it. You'll answer to God for it. So if you hold the keys to someone's forgiveness and restoration right now and say it it to yourself or say it out loud, you can shout it if you want, it won't interrupt me. Say, I forgive you. I forgive them. God, I choose to forgive. I choose to move past that. Secondly, if you're here today, and you're looking at yourself and you're like, I'm not the lion killer. I am not the giant killer. I'm the, uh, I'm the one who just, uh, who was so weak. I'm the one who made mistakes. I'm the one who just, uh, who isn't any of those things anymore. Now I declare to you that weeping may endure for a night, but your anointing, your purpose, your passion, your, your confidence in who God is will come.